0: the battery's good. Okay, here I am. All right, friends. Well, yeah, this, uh, well, we've talked about giving. We've talked about Thanksgiving. So if I were hosting Sesame Street, I would say, today is brought to you by the letter G. Um, They still make Sesame Street. Is that still a thing? Good. That Mr. Rogers, well, now it's Daniel Tiger, which means all the Mr. Rogers songs I know, which I know about 30 of them, actually. I even have the old vinyls. Uh, are all Daniel Tiger songs now. So I'm once again relevant. It's kind of like I wear the same styles always, and occasionally I tend to sync with life, and other times my kids are embarrassed. But hey, welcome uh, to Central Vineyard. Uh, Really seriously, since we have you all here today, I want to leverage you to come together with me in a specific intercessory prayer request. Uh, My uh, dear friend, our dear friend, uh, board member, and also... uh, Did a lot of pastoring in Tanzania uh, alongside, uh, supported by our church. Doug Buckley, his father had a stroke last night. Tim Buckley, Tim's been here many, many times. You met uh, Doug's parents uh, before. Uh, Praise God, they got in the hospital right away. They got the Coumadin or whatever, the blood thinners going in. You know, they doing all the rapid response stuff they do, and he seems to be doing really well. I didn't wake them up. To, I mean, they were up throughout the night, so I, I didn't text them for an update this morning because I didn't want to accidentally wake people up as I sometimes do. But I'm going to pray for Tim Buckley. I'm going to ask all you guys to silently just kind of pray along and give me a hearty amen. And let's just take care of this. Uh, Father God, you are a healer. You are a restorer. You make all things new, Father. And you are close to those that are physically, mentally, spiritually infirm. We ask you to come and be present in the, the future of your kingdom would rear its head in the now, right now, in Tim Buckley's life, and heal the damage dynamically. We whatever needs to be routed in his brain. And I play, pray you would reboot him, replenish him, and uh, uh, just bless him with a lot more mileage, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. Um, so, uh, oh, I got my wrong list up there. Okay, Tim Buckley. So, uh, when we planned this church in 2004, uh, there was a picture that was ever-present in my mind, and that was uh, the Berlin Wall going down in 1988, and all the artists and business folks that streamed in because at the end of oppression is opportunity. At the end of oppression is opportunity. And two groups really swarmed into... uh, 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 Berlin, specifically uh, artists and entrepreneurs. And I felt like, well, yeah, the wall fell, but back in the Gospels, we saw the curtain torn. And the wall separated east from west, but the curtain symbolized the separation we experience from God. And the idea that God is not Merely someone to be appeased or that you're going to just uh, embrace like this remixed system of appeasement to uh, Connect with that God in fact, you know God even God provided the sacrificial system in the Torah and quickly began Relegating it to the second and third and fourth seat throughout the Old Testament scriptures I mean, I was just reading Psalm 51 today And David's even like, oh, you don't even like sacrifices, God. You know, so we saw this almost like this methadone to get off the heroin of violence towards humans. And that is instead make a soup kitchen in the temple to feed priests and the poor. But even then, but the whole point was getting this perfectly right isn't the big deal. You know, I desire do justice, love mercy, walk with humility, do justice, love mercy. Walk with humility. That's what God was going for. And I call that Micah 6 8, the apex of the Old Testament, getting us ready for the Gospels. Well, when the curtain was torn, we collide with Jesus. Jesus, God the Father, Trinity is creator. Trinity is creative. God created it and it was good. It wasn't just Tiamat and other guys getting involved in some violent activity and here's the plan. God is an artist. And you know, we see that reflected in humans, creating beauty and creating opportunity and bringing justice and occasionally bringing mercy to boot. And I thought, what what does it mean for us to live with the curtain drawn is to fully invest ourselves, time, talent, finances, and all the creativity and all the time and all the cleverness that we have. And God does his whole loaves and fishes action where he takes something that looks like a Happy Meal and turns it into a full catered wedding type of deal. That's what God does. God always magnifies, and he, call, he makes us magnifiers as well. We get to see good things that God's doing, and he says, you know, you can fan this little spark into a flame too. Here's a little handheld fan or a newspaper you can wave. Get that fire bigger. You get to play too. And God, that's one thing, Like I God is the God that everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play, and you get called to play more and more. So kingdom artists, kingdom entrepreneurs. Um, what I've been able to see, and I love John sharing I like you, one of the entrepreneurial things was, uh, was kind of rebooting Asia's hope and this new model that God has literally changed the world and made, a, uh, made an exponential difference in the lives of children who were on a pipeline to be trafficked in this little tiny Indiana-sized country of Cambodia. And... Also reaching ethnic minorities in Thailand, in India, who the government leaves behind, but Jesus doesn't. And the creativity to honor the cultures of those places, and to partner with the genius of the Holy Spirit working in these cultures to come together. the question is, is it art or is it entrepreneurship? Because it is beautiful it is an installation of god's grace and that's why i like to call people we're living breathing installations of grace that god is always assembling and adding to kingdom artists kingdom entrepreneurs i so many of you bring your creativity to bear in helping professions right and that may be on the creative level that might be on the financial level some of you are social geniuses and you, you you network and help like raise connections in the community for organizations that are changing the world. Many of you are teachers. Uh, some of you are managers or employees who provide an alternate reality for people to work in that is not based on this just Darwinistic corporate culture that America normally defaults to. And I've seen people, in, whether it's, you know, uh, I don't know, whether, whether it's like... Uh, Ooh, like Josephine, acting in one of your plays, that you just bring your whole self, that anyone that knows you know the joy of the Lord is present in that play. It doesn't even have to mention Jesus or be a play about Jesus. The joy of the Lord is present because you're present in being an artist and acting. Or we have Maureen coming up with, with creative ways to do a job that's pretty regimented. ESL teacher in a public school system. But man, Maureen brings the art and the entrepreneur to that. And I, I could literally go through the whole church, but, and I was going to, but I only have uh, 11 minutes left. So what I'm saying is uh, kingdom artists, kingdom entrepreneurs, I've seen several ministries birth, ministries enhanced. I want to rewind and tell you how I think some of those passions formed in me. I want to say something, though. I've got 48 days here left as lead pastor of Central Vineyard. It's an anxious time for me. And I have to be honest, it, it, it gets into some of the identity issues, you know? I didn't think it would, but who am I apart from this? I've done this for 20 years here and more years at Vineyard Columbus. I've been pastoring. Before that, I had lucrative jobs, you know, and, and uh, was doing the whole—even wore a suit every day. Can you imagine me in a suit and tie? Well, you— you know, look online, you'll see pictures of me at the wedding, except it's a cool-looking suit, not the whole boring dot-com era suit. You know, blue, the boring blue suits in dot-com era. You know, no wonder Enron and, you know, WorldCom and all that happened. Actually, worked for WorldCom. Long story. But uh, this idea of kingdom artists, entrepreneurs, uh, I'm going to do something that would have got me in trouble uh, uh, 10 years ago. And that's what i want to... I want to share some of my dad's private business with you. And if you know my dad, well, my dad's dear sister and best buddy, Lynn Flowers, Aunt Lynn to all of us, uh, knows what I'm talking about. But you know, there's a reason why I like, you know, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't make saints until after they're dead because that would be problematic and they could possibly do something to screw it up. Once they're dead, they're kind of their stories frozen in time. But um my dad, and my dad was no saint, all right other than we are all saints in a way but uh, there's and by the way i went through my 20s late teens 20s angry young man uh kind of golf from my dad and then spent uh the last 25 to 28 years of my life becoming best friends with him after that but um i remember specifically when my family found jesus and it was a change my you know i grew in the 70s you know aunt lynn and uncle tom were hippies you know uh, m- my uncle was uh you know strapping cocaine to his chest and flying from columbia here and getting in trouble since lynn since you're still with us i won't say what i know you were doing <laughs> okay but i always thought she was really cool you know and chill and nothing i could do would get under her skin maybe she had some herbal help for that i don't know But she was just laid back. So, yeah, well, it became the Holy Spirit, right? So anyway, I remember my family. I remember the people that would hang out. We had a pretty psychedelic household, except my dad's like semi-autistic, so he wouldn't do anything unless there's something I don't know about. My mom was a little bit of party girl for a while, I understand. But my dad was, you know... I did a cost-benefit analysis, and drinking this much alcohol and doing this thing would not benefit me in the long run, so it doesn't work on the ledger sheet, so I won't do it, even though I'm not a Christian and I don't have the Holy Spirit right now. So he, my dad was kept safe from a lot of things just because he could do a cost-benefit analysis. And he lived life, I have his old ledgers, handwritten ledgers, that I love to look at because it reminds me of what a nerdy was and how bad at math I am. So my daughter got all that. I didn't get any of it. But she also got Adrian's social skills, so I don't know how she gets both of those. But um, So anyway, my dad, we, we became Christians, and what it meant is I had to start wearing uncomfortable polyester shirts to, to this church service. And this is when leisure suit. Even they had little leisure jackets for kids, that like, you know, the plaid, polyester. And it wasn't ironic. We had leisure suits, and we meant it. And it was this little, but I remember certain things from those first few years. And part of what I remember so much of being at church at this place was we had a pastor that just preached a couple verses at a time, which isn't always super engaging if you're dividing up the story or the flow. But if it's a really short passage, it's super engaging. And then some of those short story passages, like the one-verse passage, I'm going to read one place. He camped on for several weeks, and it caught my imagination. But before that, I want to, one thing that happened is on a Sunday, we went there, and I'm wearing these scratchy clothes, which I was like OCD about texture, so I was really uncomfortable. Church clothes. I mean, that's the reason I got naked at your wedding, Lynn. It's like I thought there was the option of taking them off. You know, I, age five streaker, honest, um, you know, I think that's the only pictures from your wedding album you saved, right? The, the, the nudie shots of me. Well, anyway, um, so my dad, they had these booklets and a big table of these booklets on a table. And I'm like, what? And my dad picked one up, mom picked one up. My dad picked another one up and goes, oh, this one's for you. He goes, look at it. And I looked at it, my name was printed on it. And I'm like, what is this? It's like, 52 envelopes. He goes, oh, these are your tithe envelopes. what the heck is a tithe? He goes, well, we're going to sit down and talk about this at home. This is kind of new. And uh, what it was is this is by you guys back. We used to use pens. We used to use stamps and letters and a lot of paper, a lot of paper. Now, there was only like 2 billion people in the world, so it wasn't as bad. If we still did that now with announced last week, 8 billion people in the world, we would have no trees. But I lived in the day when paper was for everything. And my dad sat me down and goes, well, here's here's the deal, Jeff, and he brought out ledgers and stuff. And he explained to me, I never heard the idea of fractions and percentages. And he goes, one of the ways we worship God, and by the way, I wanna warn you in advance, I am not saying anything that's an absolute axiom today about different debates people have on giving. I hope you can hear my sense of wonder and uh, catch on to that without thinking that I'm even gonna enter into a debate. I I gave up debating for Lent many years ago and then decided not to pick it up, all right? But what happened was he sat me down and says, well, you know how uh, your mamma mom, every birthday gives you $20, and I was the first year I probably remember getting $20 for my birthday. And I remember I went to Kitty Corner, this little toy store, and got a $6 million man action figure and a Spider-Man Mego. Still treasure that Spider-Man Migo. <laughs> well, anyway, and then uh, every Christmas, she would give me $10, and my grandma would give me $50, which this is 1970s. So we were rich. Let's just be straightforward. Relative. Now, I married Adrian, and our experiences couldn't be more different. You know, we would, I mean... Honestly, there were seasons where we would volunteer at food pantries and Adrian would go to food pantries for food. We and It's funny, when we started dating, we both volunteered at Fruit of the Vine food pantry and she worked at the nursery school where they led my mom to Jesus, so it was a weird synchronicity here. All right? Uh, but, so I never knew want. I knew that downturn, but I never knew want. I was born with privilege coming out of every orifice in my body, you know, but, uh, It was really neat getting married to Adrian to see how God would mix those two experiences together. So anyway, my dad said, so what you're going to do is tithing is for $10, you give $1. And he started writing this down on the index card like he would. And then he wrote, for $20, it's $2. And for $50, it's $5. I think that's right. (laughs) And, and he said, when you I said, well, Dad, I'm only going to use two envelopes. What am I supposed to do? He goes, oh, no. He says, well, should I even be bothering with this? And he goes, no, if you don't, Jeff, you need to do this now so you can do it the rest of your life. You need to do this now. And then eventually I leveled up to an allowance. And don't ask me why. I'm the only kid that got $1.65 a week. Early 80s. Why not a round month? I got it. Comic books were 35 and then 40 cents, and the tax on 40-cent comic was 2 cents. I had it worked out that I could tithe off that and get two comics and have some leftover for gumballs at Super X Pharmacy. That's, I'm old. I'm old. They didn't have comic book shops I knew about. I had to go to the, They had spinner racks where I would sit with my rear end in there reading comic books for four hours after i riding my Schwinn Stingray to the market. So I would give like... Loose change in these envelopes that might have cost... I I wonder if they cost more to print this stuff than I did. But what it did is it became habituated in me. It became habituated with me. And my dad was kind of an autistic savant on finance. He wasn't creative. In fact, he always wanted to be a graphic designer. And God help us, when Microsoft Paint and Microsoft Word came out, he sure tried, and he found so many uses for Comic Sans... And the aerial font, in clip art, and would always design, like, hey Jeff, do you want me to design your wedding invitation? No, we're not going for irony here. But he, oh, my, my dad was not a creative person, but he was a magic worker when it came to spreadsheets and finances. And so he got recruited to be on the board of a lot of nonprofits because he could figure out things and stuff. And then he eventually started managing the affairs for different families on the mission field. He says, listen, I want to find out that you get every deduction you need, how you can maximize this. i want to help you invest and still have some kind of retirement. I want to find out any stuff. And he would research scholarships for kids of parents on the mission field. And this is before Internet. And man, when the Internet came along, well, when CompuServe came along before the Internet, he went hog wild on being, like, how to get missionary kids uh, scholarships. And so he would literally spend, when the, with our old Apple II computer, with an Excel spreadsheet, managing affairs of people in Mali, Africa, and other places, bringing, like, so bringing his time to it. So he was, kind of taught me about finances, and he said, well, time and talent. And, you know, one thing they say is, like, you can tell a life story by someone's expenditures and someone's calendar. You can tell a life story. I want to talk about this uh, next week a little bit. I got some crazy weird to share with you next week. But what happened was... uh, I saw him do that. I also saw him resign from a number of nonprofit boards because if they would not follow the rules and do things correctly, my dad would have a fit. And he should have. Like he saw there's one organization that did something that another organization did better, much cheaper, but they wouldn't merge. And he's like, my dad's like, well, here's what you spend on this, 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 and this. And here's this. And I've looked at these guys' chart of accounts and stuff you should really just give them for free your mailing list and shut down what you're doing, and more, more money will go to the kingdom of God. But there was like five staff members that wanted to still be on staff, so he's like, well, I quit. So I watched him resign from some or pretty well-known organizations, some of which have come to bad repute in recent years, that he worked on. And so my dad was kind, not, not a whistleblower, but he definitely wasn't like just airy-fairy, oh, that's nice you're doing that, let's help. He had a rule. And I loved, he loved it when we started planning in the church. Uh, he would come and visit the, uh, he retired pretty young, and he basically did consulting all the time. I would see him in ripped up jeans and a briefcase that our cat had a pee stain on, wearing his Cure t-shirt and a Quicksilver hat and racquetball specs. Because, you remember that? He, but he looked like hipster homeless, you know? And then he would go consult with his friends and help them grow their businesses and stuff. We had different people that had businesses, and he would work with them. And they would volunteer at nonprofits. But go in, they probably thought, okay, who's going to pray with this guy and give him a cup of coffee? <laughs> you know, he was just, he was weird. All right? I, I, uh, he got married to my stepmother, and then his wardrobe, he got a little accountability for his wardrobe. But before that, homeless, she, and, uh, but then what happened uh, was when we started in the church, he, he, he created this CD-ROM of turnkey stuff of how to... Templates for 501c3s for church plants and all this stuff. He worked with Vineyard USA in old school to build the CD-ROM, which those were on these plastic discs before phones did music. There were, well, phones did music back before smartphones. There was a dial-a-song from They Might Be Giants. It was 1-800 number, and they would play one song, but that's before... I think even Jared was born. Uh, but what happened was um, he would come in. I remember how excited he got about Asia's Hope because, you know, a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it was. It was Excel, right, John? He looks at a chart of companies and then looks at what's being done, and especially when we rebooted it, he was like, oh, this is some major ROI. You know how much time I see people do this, 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 and this is like the best ROI because him and his buddies would get together and Complain about what he called fake charities and a lot of more good. They just weren't autistically efficient like he wanted to be, but he was just so excited about Asia's Hope and this other organization, Convoy of Hope, was one that he was really excited about because they. He always talked about the the Christian ROI, and I started to think this idea, Kingdom Return on Investment, and the idea hit me of a Kingdom Portfolio. And that is, like, because, I mean, I, when Adrian and I got married, I was making $9 an hour working at a business forms company. They used to be, have, they didn't have email receipts. They would have five-part forms. When you go to the business, they fill it out and get on some black paper and copy it four ways. And what a, I mean, it was a dinosaur. And I answered the phones for a dinosaur that was sinking into a tar pit. And made, uh, it wasn't quite, minimum wage was $5.25 at the time. But I made this... And we we're living in, you guys can be so angry, it's like $160 a month apartment on High Street. Now, one room with a lot of cockroaches. So, but one thing is when I first got together with Adrian, I saw that she had actually pre-written all her envelopes out. Now, Vineyard Columbus didn't have it together. They didn't have, like, the binders of envelopes. But I saw that she'd planned and written out stuff for the nothing they paid her at a uh, Actually, you're not dead, and I'm sharing this. I'm sorry. I'm probably getting in trouble. But for when she worked daycare for minimum wage, at 17, being totally on her own financially, you know, before she was even an adult. And I was like, this is the real sexy. And there's a lot of other things I saw, too. But I was like, we found out we had this same heart that no matter what, and you weren't that far removed from the food pantry and stuff. And, you know, I remember when she first went to the dentist after many years and got to Get 20 root canals or whatever, because that wasn't a regular thing. And I saw this generous heart, and I'm like, mmm, that's good." And one thing I pray is like, I I I watched my dad make a lot of money, watched him lose. You know, 1987 Black Monday, October. I remember that his whole portfolio went to next to nothing, and uh, then somehow he was able by God's blessing. I think God really blessed him to nurture it back into something. And one thing we prayed when we got married we said, "God, we're going to start tithing. It's not that much, because I'm not making much, and Adrian's in school, but we pray that we could do a little bit more every year. Not because tithings a rule. People say, "Well, tithing is Old Testament, we're New Testament." I said, "Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that are Old Testament, New Testament, it just becomes more fun. You know, instead of sacrificing goats, we could sacrifice our lives and see people get touched in love. I mean, we, the, the New Te- I mean, we're New Testament folks, right? So I, people want to debate, well, and our idea was, our personal conviction, guys, and don't, I'm not going to argue with this, was we supported our local church with a tithe, and then uh, one of our dear friends went to Afghanistan to, to do uh, missions work uh, for Muslims, and we said, well, let's see if we can level up there, well, 15 bucks a month, which was more in the late 90s or whatever. And we were able to level up there. And we just asked every year a little bit more. And by the way, it wasn't much more. Then I started working uh, at what was CompuServe, became AOL, that became UUNet Technologies, that became WorldCom Advanced Networks, became WorldNet, became UUNet, and now is part of MCI. And every time there was a change, I got stock options. You know, we literally were looking at a house. You know, we were living um, just uh, a block up from Hudson. We were looking at a house in Upper Arlington, thinking we're going to just kind of move along the whole dream. And and then um, the nature of my business changed that said, oh, you're going to sell direct internet backbone access because pretty soon video streaming is going to be a big thing and the first customer is going to be pornography. And I'm like, I'm not going to go to offering point-to-point protocol services to pimp in porno provider. Called my buddy Kerry Davis up and he said, well, it sounds like you gotta quit. Did you get, save your bonus checks? <laughs> I'm like, actually I did. <laughs> so he goes, why don't you come intern for me, not paid at Vineyard Columbus? And I was able, we uh, were able to get out of the contract at a house we were gonna buy. We were able to negotiate things down and started my downwardly mobile financial. And then we went there and, I, and then we planted a church. First bit of a while uh, uh, we, we uh, were able to by like God's grace not to have to take a paycheck here. Then we, we took a paycheck for several years, and recently, after my dad passed away, we stopped. And it was always our dream that uh, we could, be, I, I've gotten uh, investments my dad helped me make, and I have side hustles that have kind of grown up, that I don't have to do that. And that could go towards really development, because we've always run a pretty skeletal church. And, but I'm saying this, going back to my dad, is my my dad had this idea of managing a portfolio, and I saw him continually add things to it, and what was interesting is the two big crashes, one where he made some bad investments, the other where the whole market crashed, by God's grace, none of the initiatives he was producing crashed, and they just kept growing. And I saw God even restore more, and they didn't say, okay, well, we're going to go in reverse either. And I've, I'm not, an, I'm not a name and claimant prosperity gospel. But, you know, I just believe like uh, I love what Bono said when Jerry Falwell used to do these really weird like begs for money. Goes the God I believe in isn't short of cash, Mister. And I truly believe that. And what I love about Central Vineyard is I've seen this. I remember someone was having a breakdown and needed some emer- a specific psychiatric care that Medicaid or something wouldn't cover that day someone came up to a wad of a hundreds with me and said i believe someone in the church needs it and i'm like i just found out five minutes ago and literally handed the amount they needed in cash from one person to the other and god's just saying you get to middleman some cool stuff so i get to be aware of things that a lot of people maybe haven't been aware of i i love uh to see i love to see people who are have next to no income who every month are faithfully giving to the church, have a huge setback, and three other people spontaneously, generously provide that setback without any of that, any real communication going forward. I get to see like this divine, and I'm not talking like legal socialism, I'm calling socialized spirit. Socialized spirit, the Holy Spirit just brings like generosity. I've seen this flow, and it doesn't even go through our coffers most of the time. I mean, we're not, we have a pretty steer administrative function, and I've just seen people do this. And, that isn't, and what it isn't among these people isn't like, well, here's my 10%, and I divided among these 40 people, this, that, this ministry here, this, this, this. Some of you may do that, and great. God bless you. I, I was talking to a friend of mine there. I said, you know, if everyone did that, there would be no local churches where people come together and strategize and hear these ideas. There wouldn't be these community gatherings where they become... Where, where it becomes like this, uh, uh, I won't say habitat, nursery, greenhouse. It becomes a greenhouse or a maker space for kingdom stuff. The maker space for kingdom stuff is the local church and then all these initiatives, whether they're Christian or secular or whatever, are born out of it. But you know, if everyone kind of fractionalizes and just kind of sees this as a bear, an Old Testament thing and just divides it more and more, uh, that generally there's not... Well, and frankly, a lot of churches have just closed down operations in the last, last couple of years, a lot of them. Um, we've just been so grateful. You know, we had a downturn. One time we had 50 individuals that would financially support this church on a regular basis. One time, 60. You know, right now, uh, Carl, Carl stepped in and really brought beauty and order to our finances, and I just thank him. There you are, Carl. And he just sent me the spreadsheets up, and I just asked him, well, how many... How many giving units do we have at Central Vineyard? He's like, ah, we have 41. Uh, I'm like, I wish it were 42 for the whole Hitchhiker's, you know, the nerd number 42. It was 41. And I was like, well, praise God for that. Praise God for that. Um, when I think about this next season of the church, something I wanted to say earlier is one thing I'm excited about is I've seen what seems to be coming together. You know, it seems good to God and the Holy, it Seems seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. And my dream is i can be in a church with four generations of my family i am so excited about the future of central vineyard my daughter's getting married in five days i'm a pastor 48 days more she lord please make it soon is moving here when her husband's able to get a job here to columbus to start life here and have babies because we we've spiced the deal with babysitting so i am We've been talking, me and uh, Kathleen and her fiance, about won't it be cool to do church together and do kingdom stuff together? Because my daughter's learned so much at college, and through her economics degree and ministry work she's been involved in and doing pastoral work at her church. She's at, she's got a lot of fun stuff to bring. So does Ace, who her husband, who Adrian actually his name, who worked at uh, the Navigators and other places for a while, and they're gonna have babies. And I got my aunt Lynn. From my dad's generation, that's four generations. And one of my dreams is to see this church be able to grow to a place of health and vitality that takes some talents and giftings that aren't for me right now and be that context in that place where those four generations of people who maybe walk funny like me do church together with a couple multi-generational families here. So I'm not beating it. I'm just gonna be serving alongside of you and not wearing like the prime leader hat, and I'm super excited with what seems to be shaping up. And uh, you know, there's, uh, there's uh, some areas of discernment and figuring out what's gonna happen, but I'm telling you, I feel like dreams are coming true. Dreams are coming true. And one thing I wanted to specifically invite you guys to do is we have some giving slides that we can cycle through here I'm going to read the verse. This happened at the same time I got my tithe envelopes, all right? Pastor Peter Corliss, and if you know Tim Corliss, he's kind of a renowned photographer in Columbus and videographer, filmmaker. I'm actually one of his movies, so I'm hoping I'm on Internet Movie Database now. That would be cool. But uh, this is a verse he went over for five weeks. In 1977, I think about this verse every week. It's Matthew... 13.44. 13.44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. The idea of fi- and for a kid, finding a secret treasure and then selling whatever you have to get that treasure so then you have these resources to do everything you've ever wanted to do. And... When I first had what I would call, well, I've had several couches. One of the, as a young adult, the first big Holy Spirit moment I have, I was reading a book by John White where he took a book called Cost of Commitment. He remixed it after he had this charismatic experience with the Holy Spirit called it Magnificent Obsession. And he talked about the pearl and the treasure. He said, This guy wasn't bummed out, like, woe is me, I have to sacrifice. This guy was treasure hungry. He had gold fever of the kingdom, you know. And he said, what really is this enthusiasm? You have a sense of wonder about what kind of treasures God can bring and what you can invest. And we get to see the early church here in uh, William, before, uh, before this, what does uh, sell your position? Uh, th- this is 12, uh, verse uh, 13, Luke said, sell, this is Jesus talking, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe, no thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Basically saying, hey, this is better than 501C, I'm not five. what's a FDIC fund, banks insured to a couple hundred thousand? And when I thought that, by the way, this did mean everyone sold everything and were homeless all of a sudden. When he talks about selling possessions, he's talking about curate your possessions and sell. They clarify this in Acts 2, as there is need. And we presumably had people who grew assets in the early church, like Lydia, the first Gentile pastor. Lydia, the woman, all right, uh, you know, had a whole household that accommodate a church meeting, the first Gentile church meeting there, right? It's like she obviously was stewarding assets and leveraging them for the kingdom. This goes, and I see people doing that here that are living under the poverty level. And I see people who have also seen resources multiplied to give out. And I see, you know, you're just, at the point right now, and God is so cool with this, you're just at the point right now where there's a sense of anxiety that you're just not feeling there yet. And that's fine, too. That's fine, too. I'm, 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 you know, I just wanna say that I've experienced by, by, by a supernatural blessing, I think, and even that go against actually, that don't work on the spreadsheet level, I've experienced some blessing that of seeing kingdom portfolios being able to grow for small and large uh, households. And one thing for this next season is, frankly, with what, when I, I foresee what God's doing in growing this church and already growing this church doing this, is. More people, God is going to invite more of you to on a regular basis financially partner with Central Vineyard. Maybe it's one person, maybe it's 10 people, I don't know. You know, uh, the, actually, the ratio of, I think the ratio of a, 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 a folks that consider this their home church to givers is maybe about uh, 50%. And I think, I, I just would suspect God's probably inviting a couple of people, and some of you, you're not there yet. Grace on you. Grace on you. Grace on you, grace on you. Did you hear the whole grace thing, by the way? But with this, I'm just, your time is precious. Your money is what you feed kids with. Your your talents are better than you think they are, each of you. And I'm inviting you, if you treasure what God is doing here, to curate your talents, curate your calendar, and curate your finances. Is in such a way that you can fully invest in what you see as the treasure you found in the healed. Um We've got, if you text this number, I did CV, I, tr- I tested it out this morning, CV Columbus dollar sign, and I put like a number, any number behind it, and it will send you to the link to give. And one thing that really helps us, one of our discernment things going forward as church, one element of discernment is there's a pledge feature on our website. Where, and not everyone's able to do this, some people are. Some of you just, you know, average out what did last year look like. Maybe be conservative, maybe more, I don't know. But automating and using the pledge feature is like, we're basically able to be good stewards. And by the way, you know, there's a reason why when we do financial meetings they don't take that long because we don't have a big spreadsheet. A nice little spreadsheet. At one point our budget was, what, 170 grand a year. Now a couple of you may make more than that a year combined incomes. But the whole church, you know, and, and those who are paid staff, full and part-time, that, and the bill, everything, you know, that's there. And praise God for it. But I want to encourage you guys, let's all stand. This idea, I don't want you to hear this limited by the imagination of dollars. Because I said, a biography can be told by your calendar, your, how you employ your talents, And your expenditures. I can tell a life story. Um, Think of all three areas. Because our breath of life we have here, I think God wants us to have as much fun as possible. That doesn't mean hardship. I'm telling you, when you, okay, I just want to say one thing. I won't go into this because I'm losing my voice. That's probably God. But let me say this. Nothing is more sweet then seeing someone at the end, like through several hops of something you've invested in, in any of those three ways, have a tangible encounter of how loved they are. And part of that was due to those little things you did. Nothing is sweeter. So uh, onward, God, onward, guys. Carl's going to lead us in communion, uh, and then we can come receive prayer. And uh, if yeah, well, he'll say the rest.
1: We now turn towards the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper. We share together in this meal each week, participating in the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. Um, I want to invite, it looks like the worship team's up, the prayer ministry, anybody who's uh, trained to pray to to come on up now. We're here because Jesus extends to us strangers and friends, believers and doubters, the certain and the curious— It's always a mixed company that Jesus gathers and invites to his table where in bread and cup he meets us and through him we who are different are joined together as one body. Come not because you understand but because you are understood. Come not because of how you feel but because God has food for you. Come not because you feel deserving but because Jesus invites you and welcomes you just as you are. Scripture invites us to examine ourselves before coming to the table. We, come, we become aware of our faults so that we can receive grace in our time of need. We confess so that we can partner with God in our healing. And here at Central Vineyard, we confess together through the confession song. hear these words of grace from the scripture. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come up um, and uh, join in the Eucharist together. And I want to let you know the the bread is is gluten-free. We enjoy this meal together by dipping a piece of bread in the cup of juice, if you prefer an individually packaged wafer and juice, those are available up here as well, but are not gluten-free. But before we do that, I want to invite you to imagine. As we share in this place, imagine yourself at Jesus' table. Imagine Jesus hosting you this morning. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. And when he given thanks, he said, this is my body that is broken for you do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes together. Let us pray send now your spirit among us come with your presence in this bread and in this cup that as we come forward and present ourselves to you as living sacrifices we may taste and see your goodness be united in your love and become one body your hands and feet in this world come now and receive the body and blood of christ